Why does my tie dye? Some <laughs> dude, I look like I look like Snuggles the Downy Bear today, and I'm you know. All right. Um. Well. <laughs> welcome to another uh, rousing edition of the Clipset Podcast. Uh, we decided to record this way too early in the morning, so none of us have a lot of energy. Uh, we are joined <laughs> by a very special guest, a friend of the pod, guest, friend of the pod. Yeah, Justin. you're part of the double the double dip club now. That's you're right, a double dipper. That's right. All right. Oh, what do you call uh, if it's double dip for two? What are we? If I come on again, what's the next one? What's what's the next? No, that, then you're just our co-host. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm down with then that. Then you t- you take on our debt is what happens. Yeah. Um. So Justin, aka L.A. Clippers film, uh, is joining us today on the pod. Welcome, Justin. And nice to be back. Second time's a charm. Let's, I'm ready. I'm as you said. It's a it's a little early. It's a little early. Still trying to regain my bearings, but I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Word. That's good. I got it. Uh, so like actually like quick. Quick, just starter question here. Last time you were on the show, it was the Dallas series, right? Yeah, it was. It was. Are are we meeting under better or worse circumstances than the last time you were on the show? Uh, much worse. Much worse. Much worse. Much worse. Okay. <laughs> much worse, okay. Right? There's no way I could have imagined um, at that time how uh, life would be, not just basketball, but like, you know, COVID is even worse now and I the Clippers blew another three one lead and like just a mess, you know? But what is twenty twenty? That's twenty twenty in a nutshell, a mess. So um yeah. yeah. <laughs> well you guys you guys both have Dodgers hats on, so you gotta be pretty happy right now. You guys are both Dodger fans. Yeah, I mean, um uh my my girl is more of a Dodger fan than I, so she kinda got me into like baseball and like so I was kind of happy for her because, you know, that's obviously the first like World Series championship that she ever saw. And then I got a little bit jealous because, you know, my team didn't do so well. So but I'm, I'm happy for all the Dodger fans out there for sure. Did yeah. she cry? No, <laughs> no, but she did go out. I mean, I was like, bro, COVID's crazy. What are you doing? But she got off of work and went she lives near downtown so she kind of like drove in circles and celebrated with everyone else so it was a fun time for her it was a fun time for her was that was that her with with the firecracker that lit her car on fire was that her doing donuts with the firecracker under her? <laughs> nah that that's something she would do that's something she would do but no <laughs> nah she's a little firecracker as, as as well but like nah that wasn't her <laughs> did you cry um i I wept. I wept like a baby uh, when when that final pitch happened. I wept. I probably, I probably mostly because, have... yeah. I mean, mostly just because it's been such a. It's like hard to co- say it was. It's been such a tough road because we've won eight straight division titles and been in the World Series three times. But um, after having the 2017 World Series stolen from us, this felt particularly sweet. Um, potentially 2018 too. We don't really talk about that either, but. Alex Cora was also suspended for a year for cheating. So who knows? Um, but it was, it's really, really great. And like, I grew up a diehard Dodger fan. Baseball is still my favorite sport oh. just in general. It's what I played, um, all that stuff. So it's like a really deep family tie and all that other stuff. And just, 
yeah, I mean, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Um, this is my first non-hockey championship. So, um, which, I mean, I love hockey, but mm. I wouldn't say I have the emotional attachment that I do to baseball and basketball. Um, but, yeah, it was great. I wept. I wept on my couch. And my girlfriend made- was very confused. <laughs> I'm with you, Justin, where I was... I was like jealous of all my friends that were celebrating that are Dodgers fans. Cause like, I mean, I grew up here, like I grew up going to Dodgers games. I remember when Dodgers games were $6, but like, I remember like growing up going to going to Dodgers games, but like it never like carried with me. Like I was yeah. I would, like, and I'll go every now and then and be like, yeah, this is cool. But like never was like attached to it. And like, you know, I lived in the Bay. I would go to A's games, the occasional like giants game, but like never like really cared, but like seeing you know what it meant to all these people that have followed the Dodgers, like like truly followed the Dodgers their their entire lives. I was like, damn, I can't wait. I cannot wait until the Clippers give me that. Yeah, because I mean, I'm with you, Justin. I I will probably cry uh, if I see the the Clippers win a championship. Yeah, I I definitely I definitely will shed a few tears for one, and like it kind of got me thinking. Like, imagine what Steve Ballmer could do with the Clippers if there was no like cap with uh, with basketball you know um and like um i'm happy for clayton kershaw too you know um from the bits and pieces that i've gathered from like watching baseball over like the past five years or so it kind of seems like the postseason narrative for him is like kind of unfair in a way and um so i was kind of happy that someone as good as him finally achieved um achieved that elusive championship and um by all accounts he's a great guy so like you know we're real happy for him real happy for him yeah. um i don't i don't know as nearly as much about baseball as i do about basketball but um mookie betts is like an incredible player he's very exciting to watch and um I, I, it felt like the moment the dodgers got him that everybody pegged them as the favorites and this postseason i kind of saw why and so um yeah happy for mookie happy for clayton and happy for the dodgers and hope some of that like uh mojo rubs off on the clippers next season man yeah i hope so too does the mlb or the nba have the best gear because like i feel like mlb by far baseball hats jump in yeah mlb by far (laughs) yeah the hats are the sickest like there are so many baseball hats i would wear and i don't care about any of the teams yeah um Absolutely. The, I love just the kind of classic look of the jerseys. Uh, they don't really change up too much, although it looks like there might be a gold lettered one coming from the Dodgers soon that I saw. Um, but they're classics. They look really good. I love like the old pinstripes and like the NBA is constantly trying to change it up and do these new things. And I feel like it's like kind of lost its way a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they're like doing too much now. Like baseball has the best looking gear of all the professional sports. Well, well, the Dodgers jersey is the best jersey in professional sports. Like hands down, the home Dodgers jersey is just the best jersey in all of professional sports. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think there's only like one. I think there's only one baseball jersey I would want to own, and it would be a Bo Jackson White Sox jersey. I have a, a Athletics jersey. I have a Dodgers jersey. I have a. Uh, I know it's kind of like bad to say. I have a Giants jersey. I have a Giants hat. Oh, uh, get him off the pod. <laughs> get him out of here. <laughs> no, like, like well, what Brian said is absolutely right, bro. Like, um, baseball, baseball for like 
casual wear is like by far the best. Um, I use as far as like sports gear goes, I use it for like um, more than more basically anything. And um, hockey's like that too. I like I, I like I like wearing a Kings jersey. You can um, you can wear it in a multitude of ways. Um, basketball, yeah. not so much. It it comes off a little bit forced and awkward when you see it outside of like an arena <laughs> yeah. where you know you're supposed to be wearing it but like i don't know it's something strong and casual about a dodgers jersey that you know you can like you can kind of get get that off as far as like what you're wearing but basketball right. not so much. yeah like who who just wears a tank like who would wear a basketball jersey there you go out? exactly like it's just what it's a tank top Some and you have to be there. like you know, you got to be comfortable with yourself and like maybe in like decent shape to rock like the the <laughs> basketball jersey outside. Whereas like any of us could rock a baseball or like hockey's the best yeah. uh, jersey out for that and just be like, dude, I'm chilling. I look yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's let's get actually get to listener questions now. We'll do it. No, backwards. I've got I've got more fashion questions. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, well, this is actually a fashion question. Okay. Alex Hinton asks. Um, what would you want to see in a Clippers city edition Jersey? I'll go first. I like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to set a low bar for it because I've seen the ones that are coming out and I'm not impressed yet with any of the, the new additions that I've seen come out. Um, the Nets one is pretty, pretty lazy. Um, they try. I mean, I almost feel like the way to go because like, the Warriors one just says Oakland on it, right? Like they're trying to pay homage to the city that they absolutely scorned after winning championships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I almost wonder with the move coming up, if they're going to do one that says Inglewood for the Clippers Ooh. and maybe test the waters on like becoming the Inglewood Clippers. Um, that's like one of the things I think, because like, the whole campaign this last year absolutely blew up in their face of like LA our way. This is our city. Now we've arrived. All of that shit just completely blew up. And I'm wondering if they're like, we're we're like LA will never be our way. It's never going to be us. Maybe we find a new identity with the city that we're going to be playing in and we go become the Inglewood Clippers. And this would be a good opportunity to throw that city on the Jersey and see how it goes over. I would never thought of that, but that'd be that'd be a great way to test the market and see like what the reception of that would be. Um, I'm sure initially it'll probably be negative because everything is like negative in L.A. when it comes to the Clippers as it pertains to the Lakers. Yeah. But, um, that would be a good idea. I would like to see them um, do something like what Golden State is doing with their city edition jerseys with the Oakland on the front. Um See if we could like lean into some of our like um, retro jerseys that we like the jerseys that we wore at the sports arena or like mm-hmm. um, or like maybe like some of the stuff that like Darius Miles and Eric Piekowski, those that that era. Uh, let's um let's like Polish lean into, Yeah, <laughs> I was actually just I was actually going to say that um, maybe like <laughs> modern, maybe a modernized concept of that. You know what I mean, and um, mm-hmm. and see what we could see what we could do uh, with that because um the uh, it it takes everything L A R way thing uh, didn't go over too well so <laughs> right yeah are are we gonna are the Inglewood jerseys gonna be like a blue paisley 
Is that is that what it's going? <laughs> it's actually just going to be Pendleton. That's what it, it's oh, going to okay. be a blue Pendleton. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I actually I'd really like it. I mean, we've already taken a step down, right? Like we were the Los Angeles Clippers, and then with almost zero press release, we are now just officially the L.A. Clippers. So like we've t- already taken a step away from Los Angeles. So I, I think we should just lean into the Englewood thing as soon as possible. Um, Maybe the I, middle ground is the L.A. County Clippers. LA, They're going to go L.A. <laughs> County and then, and then see where they can go from there. So we're just going to wear orange jumpsuits. Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't even know if L.A. County is orange anymore. Anyway, so that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I personally, so to touch on a couple of things, I wish we would just go back to those original Los Angeles Clippers jerseys the one with the big c like Mm. just plain script over Mm -hmm. they were really clean really nice white jersey blue jersey like that's it um for the city edition i really liked this year's city edition jerseys i thought they were really clean i like the mr cartoon vibe i'd also i'd almost just want to see the inverse like a black uh a black version of that with white lettering i think that would be pretty dope um i mean people would say it's lazy but I think it'd be better than anything else we can probably come up with either that or um, I'd like us to finally kind of lean into the whole nautical thing that comes with our name. Like a clipper is a ship. So if we could have some kind of cool wavy sea font thing going on, I'd be into that. But um, it should just say we play like ship on the Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) We play like that was shit. terrible. That was just terrible. lean all the way into it. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I think those are all good ideas. I I think the team actually does need a rebrand. Um, I think mm. I think that we should keep the Clipper name for a championship. Um, but if if we don't win this year, I think that when we move to Englewood, we should look into like changing it. Um, I. Yeah, I, I I like what you're both saying about kind of going back. Um, and I think part of that is, you know, that's what we grew up with. And so there's a really strong connection there. But mm-hmm. I do like really think that the team has major hesitation about going back to anything linked to the Sterling era. Joseph, right. you brought up the like going from Los Angeles Clippers to LA Clippers. That was that was intentionally done to separate themselves from the Lakers. Very yeah. Um they did that purposely. And then that old Clippers logo from like the Darius Miles era and all of that, that was done by the same artist, I think, that made the Lakers logo. And Absolutely. they intentionally tried mm-hmm. to make it look like a Lakers yeah. you know, kind of font. And so I think that they're trying to separate completely. I do like the Bill Watt walton era though that you're talking about with like the dark blue with just the white lettering yeah which is where it just has clippers on it and like uh, yeah yeah, yeah. great yeah i'd like that um i don't you know i'm an unpopular opinion here i am not crazy about the cursive lettering clippers jerseys i do not think that those were good looking jerseys at all um i thought they were simple and boring i think um my actually my one of the jerseys that I did like from the Clippers was, I think it was the 13-14 year that we premiered the those alternate blues. Yeah, those are a fan favorite. I liked those. Yeah. I just, I thought that the, like the template sucked. Like that first like redesign 
I thought sucked in this the Lob City era, but I mean nothing nothing is worse than the Reds that they came up oh with that had the logo and the and the numbers right next to each other. Oh, the one that they used for two games and the players said <laughs> we're never wearing this again. Yeah. Yeah. The Clippers that like the Clippers players almost terminated the CBA over those jerseys. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. I think um I think it's kind of weird how like not weird, but like we keep going through like Re- jerseys and rebrands like every two years like minor rebrand it, it's minor but like if you look at it like it, over like the last five six years we've cycled through like i don't know how many jerseys and like i i do more than anything i want some like consistency like let's find something yeah. that works and let's stick with it because um it's hard to establish a base if you're constantly changing what's visible to yeah. everyone every single every like two or three years. You're changing the court yeah. scheme, you're changing the court, you're changing the jerseys, you're changing your iconography. Everything is just cycling through every two to three years. And like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just wish we'd be a little bit more um, consistent with that. I actually really like the jerseys now. I'm going to be honest with you. The only I do. thing I don't I do. like I agree. Is, I agree. The, is the font. The font needs to change that says Clippers. But other than that, I think that the jersey itself is like super clean and nice. I agree. The logo drives me crazy. I think our logo is the laziest in the NBA. I like that's the one thing I wish that. And like that's where I would lean into like the nautical theme. Like get like a dope, like big ass ship as like part of your logo, like lean into that. Like literally the inspiration for the current logo was a basketball court. Like you couldn't get lazier than that. It's not even a basketball. It's the court. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, dude. We have Clippy as our logo. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's, let's get into the nitty gritty because we've now spent 45 minutes on baseball and jerseys. So, um, there's something I want to press you on Justin, uh, right. because you made me hashtag mad online. Uh, okay. you spent, um, <laughs> some time over the last, I don't know, couple weeks kind of saying directly that this last season was not a failure in your eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would like to yell at you publicly about that. So first I want to give yeah. you the opportunity to defend yourself. Um, and then I'm going to come at you pretty hard. Okay. Um, no, I just think that um, even before the restart started, I was calling it the COVID Invitational because mm-hmm. once you once you once you go four and a half months off and then you um, restart the season, I think it's a totally different season. And I think mm-hmm. uh, what 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 was had before the restart is kind of lost. It's a brand new season because like that's longer than an actual off season. And so from that perspective, I felt like um, I'm not looking at it from the same standpoint. Now there was a playoff and they did blow a three, one lead. And so under normal pretenses, I would call that result an absolute horrific failure of epic proportions. Like that, that's actually something that like, if you asked me before the season, what would be a failure? It would, I wouldn't have even thought of them blowing another 3-1 lead and not making the conference finals. I would have said an absolute failure would have been like, 
losing in the conference finals or not making the finals. So for them to blow a 3-1 lead is even worse than that. So whatever's worse yeah. than failure, from that standpoint of view, I would have said, I, I would say that. But I, I, I think the context of the fact that we did go, it was a bubble. Like it, was, it wasn't even the typical NBA playoff. And we did come off of a four and a half month layoff and I understand everyone else played under those pretenses and under that context. So from that perspective, I don't I don't know if I would call it 100 percent a failure just because they had four and a half months off. They played like a truncated seven, eight games in which half of the team was there. And then they jumped right into a, a playoff in a bubble with like no fans, no travel or anything like that. So it's just hard for me to apply normal context as far as what a failure is to what happened in Orlando. So that's why I couldn't go all the way and call it a failure, but make no mistake about it. If, if in a regular season, in a regular playoff scenario, if they were to have blown a 3-1 lead in this fashion, it would absolutely be worse than a failure. It would be catastrophic. Right. I think, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Um, my main thing is something you already touched on, which is everybody had the same circumstances. Mm -hmm. So I think it's hard to use it as like a full excuse, I think, to kind of let them skate around the term failure. Um, really, what I keep coming back to is while I understand there were a lot of factors, I think that would give you a little bit of wiggle room with this season in terms of like, the injury stuff, the, you know, zoo and shaman having COVID half the team, not being there for camp, blah, blah, blah. You know, stuff that we dealt with throughout the entire season, basically is injuries and people being gone and like some weird stuff like that. But what I, what I keep coming back to is a, our roster was constructed in such a way that we were uniquely designed to weather that storm and, and play through it. And B Kawhi and Paul George were there and they were healthy and that alone should have gotten us out of the second round. Now there are clear reasons that everybody has beaten to death about why it is that we lost that series. And at the same time, we still had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on our roster. And if it had been managed better, we still should have won that series and maybe more. Um, and so I have a hard time being like, oh, well, the bubble made it weird. And like, yeah, I get it. They didn't want to be there. And there was a bunch of, you know, extenuating circumstances with this team in particular. But everybody dealt with the same thing. Everybody else showed up to play and we didn't. And that, in my mind, is a failure. Like we couldn't dig deep enough as a team to get through the situation that we decided to keep going on with instead of leaving. Like if the team left, I would have been like, OK, whatever. Like they made, mm -hmm. they made their stand, you know, but they, they decided that they were going to play and then totally rolled over like Clippers teams in the past. And I think that's a reflection of doc. Um, mm -hmm. but that problem is now gone. So, um, I'm hoping that this season is different, but I, I think that we really do have to hold not only doc rivers accountable, but Kawhi and Paul George accountable. And I think that a, a big way to do that is saying, no, you guys failed. Like your team failed um, and giving the 
well, I mean, if a couple things went a different, like, or if we were healthy, like whatever, and giving them excuses, I think allows the team as a whole, because we know that this franchise is a little bit, what's the word I want to use? Uh, insecure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like negative, negative press gets to this franchise, like from the top down. So I think that if everybody continues to say, no, you guys failed, they, they will actually have to continue to make changes instead of going like, well, we addressed one thing and everything else was fine. So we'll just, you know, do the same thing well, again. Well, I mean, whether I think they, I think the franchise believes that they absolutely failed. Other, I mean, firing, right. firing Doc Rivers was a massive sign that they were not happy with the results. And and my van and, and what I thought was um was not a complete failure. They absolutely thought that was the case. Right. And and one thing I will say is that um. The bubble kind of did allow us to see what um, what was wrong with the Clippers from a roster construction standpoint. And yeah. I will say that, like before the bubble even started, I said that we were like way before um, COVID even hit. I said we were going to lose playoff games playing Trez that way. And so, yeah. bubble or not. I do think that the bubble showed exactly that, that we do need upgrades at certain positions. Um, We may need a coaching change. And I do think that um, the bubble was good from that perspective. Um, I I still, I still from just a practical standpoint, um, I would have, I would like to see how this, how this new roster will perform under at least close to normal conditions as far as playoffs are concerned. But um, no, from that perspective, if if you take the approach that everyone dealt with the same things and like certain player, I mean, a lot of the teams have players with COVID and things like that. Right. Um, yeah, it was it was a failure from that perspective. There's no bones about it. Um, I mm-hmm. kind of I kind of separate pre-March and the bubble. But if yeah. you don't, if you don't, then that's absolutely a failure. And there's there's no way around that and i think and i'm sorry to be long-winded here but i think um i think the big takeaway is that why they lost in the bubble even if the bubble like even if you take my approach that like oh the bubble was different from the regular season why they lost in the bubble could have easily happened in the regular season. Like it with right. fans travel, Doc was going to play Trez against Jokic in the playoffs. And right. um, that, that probably we now, we, we already knew that that was going to be bad for us. So I think whether or not, like not to walk it back, but like whether or not I think, um, whether or not I think, uh, the the bubble is different or should be viewed differently kind of doesn't matter because the process was still the same and we lost to that process but the front office looks to agree with that and it seems like they're going to try and make changes this offseason and they already have in a massive way right yeah i think i think firing doc was the first true championship caliber move that this team has made it was the first time where it felt like okay this is now a a serious franchise Mm -hmm. Because they're not going to take very good, but not great anymore. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I'm in the middle between both you guys here where it's like the bubble was, you know, separated. But like you, I mean, like you said at the end there, Justin, it was a microcosm of everything that was wrong with the team before March. And Mm -hmm. so I get that it's a, you know, you could view it as a separate season, but at the same time, it was, it was all the same shit. Um, It was all of the same mistakes and bad habits and all of that. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about it like after, they were eliminated. There was just so much like hindsight as 2020 kind of moments, like looking back through the regular season, just being like, oh, yeah, that was uh, actually a much bigger issue than we thought. Or that was right. staring us right in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like Joseph has said, it was this like, oh, well, they'll figure it out in the playoffs. So they're just getting ready for the playoffs. They're kind of like, you know, slow playing, sleepwalking, it. sleepwalking through through the regular season. And then we get to the playoffs and it was like, now we're going to actually do less than the regular season and yeah. and hope that that works. But OK, um, well, let's let's transition into uh, more change talk. Um, let us jump into roster moves just because we've touched on that. <laughs> we've touched on that a little bit um basically just like some procedural shit um they can bring marcus morris back with early bird or non-bird rights which means that we can give him up to 18 million a year but i think it has to be for three years i can't remember if that's right so um that's a and it won't count against the cap i mean it'll count against the luxury tax but uh, it won't count against the cap um, and then Jamichael Green has a player option. It's only worth five point five, I think. Um, and then if certain things go one way, I think they have both um exceptions. So they can either use the non-tax or the taxpayer, depending on how some things shake out. So the non-taxpayer is I think like nine point four, and then the um taxpayer is about five, I think. Um. Our friend Jovan Buha uh, recently put out an article with some tiers of available, you know, roster pieces, um, but it primarily kind of focused on like wings and guards. Um, and so, go check that out if you haven't. Um, it made me violently angry the farther I got into it. Um, but you know, <laughs> that's how that goes. Yeah. Um, so, I think to like stop blabbering um i think i want to touch on like what do we think is the most important thing that the clippers need um that they can realistically address um and then let's get crazy and see like is there anything drastic that you would like to see happen next season um so this is this may be unpopular i don't know if it's popular or unpopular but I don't think the team itself needs that much. I don't I don't think it needs anything drastic. I think the Doc Rivers for Ty Lu is already a incredibly drastic move. Um Ty is far more modern with his offensive approach. And certain certain little things on the margins like playing Zoo starters minutes for the entire season. Um Paul George being healthy enough to play more than like 29 minutes a night. Um, th- stuff like that is automatically going to make you already better. And they were already the mm-hmm. second best offense in the league last year. And that's with right. Doc Rivers holding them back. So I think if you bring back Marcus, if you bring back Jamichael, 
if you kind of promote Landry Shamit a little more, um, let him let him play more with the starters and things like that. All of those answers are already on the roster. And I think those yeah. things alone just help in a dramatic way. And and we we got to be realistic about this. Like, I don't see anybody out there that's going to make the Clippers much better than they already are, because the reality is they already are a really, really good team. Um, I yeah. know the results that we saw um, in Orlando kind of like kind of shit on that, but they were really good last year. They were really good last year right. on yeah. both sides of the ball. And like there, I think there was one playoff game where they scored 155 points or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they they this is a really good team. And I I'm really hesitant to like say that they need like a massive change. Other than right. like getting an upgrade at the backup center spot, um, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy if we can just retain our guys. And I know there will be more like ancillary stuff. I haven't really thought about it too deeply. I'm more so concerned with getting a backup big and um, really just getting our guys back and like upping the minutes of like a Landry Shamit and upping the minutes of a um Avica Zubak. And just those things alone and Paul George playing more should like um change the dynamic of us tremendously i tweeted it the other day that we were like 16th in three-point attempts and three-point rate paul george and landry shamit just playing more will change that the, right. them just playing yeah. healthy will change that in a major way and um ty Lu, he's malleable enough he's flexible enough we may see more jamichael at the five throughout the season that will help with three-point shooting and three-point and three-point attempts and things like that. And all of those guys are technically already on the roster. So I haven't, I don't right. know, like, I don't know from the outside who we would bring in that would catapult us to a tier that um, we're not in currently because we're already a contender from my, from my right. point. Yeah, I, I agree with that mostly. Um, the offensive stuff, I actually, you know, I don't think it's going to take much to make the offense even better than it was. Um, mm -hmm. Like literally just basic systems would change everything for this team. For me, uh, like in, in terms of systems, it's the defensive side that I want to see a little more change on. And so that's why, like, I want to see who they actually, you know, there's a lot of names being tied to, to who's joining this coaching staff. Um, I would have to imagine that uh, Rex Kalamian, will not be back next season. It seems like they're doing a complete overhaul of this. So I want to know who's going to be in charge of running the defense next year, because to me, despite being a top five, I still thought that they kind of underperformed on the defensive end. Um, the lockdown guys just did an episode about this. Uh, that was really good, but you know, they talked about the amount of three pointers allowed against mm -hmm. this team all season was really bad and like shocking because you have some of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Um, but I think a lot of that came from just lack of system and like this team never really looked comfortable switching on the defensive side. Um, you know, you have the guys like Kawhi and PG that know exactly what they're doing. And then there were pieces brought in that had no idea what they're doing. So that to me is like, that's the system I want to see put in in terms of like roster additions. Yeah. Just a little more depth, um, you know, backup five, but like this, this is when it gets tricky because we still don't fully know what the luxury tax looks like for next year. 
Um, I think they did. They finally set the cap, or there's ideas I think of what there, the cap is. There's rumors that it's going to stay 109. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then yeah. they're 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 figuring out the tax apron. Um, right. A lot of stuff is going to. I mean, we're going to touch on it a little bit later, um, but a lot of stuff is going to have to be ironed out by like next Friday. Um, last this last Friday, we're recording on Saturday. Um, was the deadline, and then they they kicked it down the road another week right. to figure out you know the start and everything like that. Yeah, and so like that's when it gets tricky on like in terms of you know it's not the most exciting free agency class that we've ever seen, but there are pieces that could add to depth. But we don't know what we're playing with in terms of money, right? Like you don't like right. You're not totally sure what you can afford. We obviously have those exceptions that Joseph brought up, but. I don't know what the market looks like for certain guys. Like, I still don't even know what the offer sheets are going to look like for Trez. I think that's a big move is letting Trez go. I think bringing him back would be a mistake. Or if you bring him back, then you need someone that can talk him into buying into a lesser role than he had, which I think is going to be difficult. Um, And I would rather invest that money in Jermichael Green because I think he does everything Trez does plus more. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, like I think Nerlens Noel is a great player that yep. could be a backup five. I just don't know what his value is in this market. You know, I would like a little more guard depth that I can trust, you know, out like not like a Reggie Jackson. DJ Augustine is a name that keeps coming up. He might be available for the mid-level exception, but we don't know. We don't know what his value looks like on this market yet because it's so uncharted. There's so much money that was lost. Right. It's, you know, the the revenue from uh, not playing the full season, playing up against literally every other professional sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of this stuff is just adding up to entering an off season like we've never seen in terms of, yeah. of cap space and money and and just overall player value. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of short-term deals being handed out because guys are going to be like, I don't want years under whatever this market is. Right. I want to, you know, play one and then see what the market is in another year, or like do it again a couple years down the road and see if I can get what I think my true value is. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear that. Um, I think I'm of the opinion that Justin is that this is like a championship roster already because there was a reason. I mean, just because we blew the three, one lead, because of tactical right. mistakes doesn't mean that this was a three, one lead blowing like roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, there was a reason that we were the, the favorite to win the championship this year. And everybody talked about us like we were the favorite to win the championship this year. And everybody talked about our roster as how it's the best roster in the NBA. Now all of a sudden doc Rivers shits the bed and, and now it's, Oh, they need to blow it all up. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's ridiculous. Um, I think that the major move is is getting rid of Trez. I agree. Um, I also kind of want to say something to that point. I think we keep talking about getting an upgrade at the backup five position. I I think that in general, it's not going to be an on paper upgrade. Right. I don't right. think it's going to be like a talent level, you know, whatever impact thing. It's just a playoff upgrade, like someone that we and and fit upgrade, and that's it. Like we're not going to bring in somebody who's better than Trez at basketball because Trez is good at basketball. He just is. But we are going to bring in somebody who's going to fit the role better. Um, So I think that our exception is probably going to need to be focused on the backup big market. Someone like Serge Ibaka, even Aaron Baines, someone that we know will mop is an innings eater that'll mop up the backup role and we can trust to play 10 minutes a night in the playoffs. And that's it. Um, I think that bringing Jamichael back is a big deal. 
Um, I think that that's something that should be focused on. I think that if he wants the mid level, like if he's going to opt out and says like, I want that 9 million, we should just give it to him. I think that that's the the thing. Then we'll just use, you know, a vet men for another body. Um, I think that things that were like the guard depth is, is something that I think is totally overblown. Same. Um, I don't think that there is a dire need for a point guard on this roster. Um, I think that if we just run it back, um, we have options at point guard that are good enough, especially in, in a system. I think that if we build the correct system, it, it'll be fine. Um, I think that the Rondo rumors, apparently the Clippers are interested in Rajon Rondo. Um, I would I would find Lawrence Frank and, and strangle him to death if he did that. Uh, I think that that is not the answer. Um, I I just think that if there is a drastic move to be made, Maybe a Trez sign and trade if we can kind of trick somebody into doing that. Um, I know Fred Van Vliet is a name that I keep thinking about. Like if we were to go out and get a, a point guard or even Kyle Lowry, I think it's an expiring. So it's 30 million for just one more year. So if we could somehow fold in, you know, I'm kind of reticent to trade Pat Bev. I understand the injury stuff that everybody keeps bringing up. I think that is a valid point. Um, but it would have to be a, a pretty dramatic upgrade for me, for me to like want us to move away. So if we were to somehow find a way to fold in Pat Bev's contract and you know Montrez Harrell and, and trade that to Toronto for Kyle Lowry, if they're trying to get off Kyle Lowry, um, I think that that would be a move that I'd be willing to make as like a big you know blockbuster deal or whatever. But um, I think that basically it's it's stuff on the margins, right? Maybe we get another guard in there for depth, or maybe we just roll with Rodney Magruder, who's on a super cheap contract that we can just expect more from because he had the year from hell. Um, or, you know, we could move Pat Bev to the bench and start Landry Shamit because we have three guards in our top eight already. You know, three of our top eight guys are guards. Um, I think that we have a lot of internal options and and the pressure to, to bring in a name doesn't really makes sense to me um you know people are already trying to trade paul george which is fucking ridiculous um you know and trade Kawhi and all this other bullshit and i i just think that if they stand pat and they and they just make it to where the roles fit a little better i think that we're going to be in a good place um there's a couple other things i want to touch on because you were you were concerned about who are they bringing in to run the defense um ty Lu was actually david blatt's defensive assistant in cleveland so I think that Ty Lue might actually be our defensive coach. Um, and we bring in Chauncey Billups and Kenny Atkinson to run the offensive side. Um, Larry Drew might help him with that too. I don't think we necessarily need like a defensive specialist. Um, and then the three-point rate thing doesn't really mean anything because the Bucks were number one and the Raptors were like number two. And they were the top two defenses in the league. It's kind of swung the other way. You can let, but they had systems. That's that's my whole point. Is they had systems. like that was intentional. Like the Bucks right. were like, but yeah, so, we'll intentionally. So let it was ours shoot because we played a really conservative drop scheme, and we played it with both of our bigs. We didn't, but we just didn't run it well enough. So right. we, we gave up a lot of open looks. Um, and so I think that they're they're. I mean, we were top five in both. You know, so like. I think we just need something to lean on, which is the system thing we keep talking about to make those upgrades. But I don't think it necessarily needs to be like some total overhaul of the team. It just it needs to be managed a little bit better. And I think that we just need to have a little bit more 
cohesiveness along the roster in terms of like fit and role. And I think that the two guys who I'm expecting to still be on the roster who were a part of the problem, Lou and Pat Bev in terms of like accepting roles and stuff. I think that they were humbled in this, in this loss and will probably be a little bit more accepting of a no, no, no guys, this isn't, this isn't your team anymore. Like you guys need to be role players now. So, well, and they, those guys were under a coach that never gave anybody a consistent role. So I think, you know, it started like, yeah, I think there is a lack of leadership in the locker room yeah. in terms of like a voice from, you know, the player's perspective. But I also think Doc tinkered way too much to where nobody really fully understood what their role was going to be outside of Kawhi and PG because they're Kawhi and PG. Like I, you know, you talked about uh, we've talked about increasing Landry Shamit and Zoo's um you know, presence on the floor, their minutes, their production, like all of that stuff. Great. They were never given that or they right. were in small doses. Rodney Magruder, you said, had the year from hell. Rodney Magruder was all over the place in terms of of what he was, what his role was on this right. team and wasn't ever given a consistent spot in the roster. And so I get wanting to use, you know, all your pieces and see what you have. And I know that there were injuries, but there were plenty of guys that weren't injured all the time that never were given a consistent right. shot. And that comes down to the system is that there was never a system in place for guys to buy into. Right. So there was just this kind of like, I will, we'll go out talent them, I guess tonight yeah. we'll try. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's, I mean, that's, and that's classic doc is, rivers. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's get to one more quick listener question. This is the only okay. one we have. Hold on, Justin. Did you, oh, have Justin, you had something no, to say? No, I was, I just wanted to say, I'm really glad you made mention about the guard stuff. Um, if I hear one more, if I read one more article about the Clippers needing a guard upgrades, I'm going to scream. I'm, I'm going to yeah. flat out scream because not the eye test nor the numbers support any of that at all. Like when Landry Shamit was with the starters in the playoffs, they performed fantastic. When Patrick right. Beverly was there, they performed fantastic. And so when you at when people are suggesting names for like guard upgrades, I, I, I just don't know if people watch the Clippers intently all year because I'm I, I no. I'm he was like you look between Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, and Landry Shamit is Jeff Teague better than any of those guys? Is he's gonna like? Is that no. an upgrade? Like, is is right. Rondo really Rondo's not? Upgrade? Like, come on, yeah. And and it's like it's like the maybe the upgrade is just starting Landry Shamit there. Like he can shoot right. forty percent from three and is like six five and in under a new system defensively. Um, maybe maybe that'll be sufficient enough and like. You know, maybe our defense just improves by playing Zoo more than 18 minutes a night, right? You improve right. a top five mm -hmm. defense by just playing the be one of the best rim protectors in the league 25 to 30 minutes a night, like, and and right. that that's just it. Like, we don't need no, we don't need like some crazy ass like signing Trey with Tress to get Chris Paul because the team needs this drastic improved playmaker. Yeah. And I'm like, no, come on, y'all, like. Like this team was, this team was good. Like this team was, they didn't have a system in place and still were the second seed out West still had a right. top five offense and defense on both sides of the ball. So like, if you, if we are under the pretense, if we are under the guys that 
the Clippers didn't have a system in place, which I agree with, then um, what you're actually saying is that this team is a juggernaut that's waiting to be just like um, catapulted Unleashed. to like a championship. Yeah. You're that's exactly what you're saying because if they had this many like warts within the roster, then they shouldn't have been as good as they were. If they are that talented to where they walked right into the second best offense in the league and they were all right. they were better than that offensively, even in the bubble with everyone just going cold. Um, then, then that tells me that like just minor ancillary stuff may unleash this team to like, to like crazy heights. So I'm just glad you said that about the guards because I don't, I, yeah, I, I foresee a massive need for like, and I like DJ Augustine. Um, and I think, and I think he would, he would help on the margins, but like, I'm not I'm not losing sleep at like, oh, uh, you know what? The Clippers blew that 3-1 lead. What they really need is like a playmaking guard like DJ Augustine. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you already have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that you're going to play through in the playoffs anyway. What you really need from that position, in my opinion, is everything that the combination of Landry Shamit, Patrick Beverly, and Lou Williams provide. So, Right. Yeah. And like everybody what? keeps saying, oh, they needed it to initiate the offense. No, there was no offense, which is why we were so ISO heavy. Like there that's was what it no is. offense. It's misguided. It like that yeah. that whole need is misguided and it might not be. So if you roll out docs, we have no system, we'll kind of just go out and do whatever, then yeah, you do need to play making guard because right. you need somebody that has that IQ that can facilitate what what is happening. But if you put a system in place and we saw moments of it even in the bubble where the ball movement was amazing. Their mood, like it was, you know, going everybody got touches on it and they were breaking down defenses and they didn't have, you know, that quote unquote playmaking guard on the floor, then they're more than capable of doing it. And there were flashes of a system. If you have a full-time system in place right. and several versions of it that you can go to, then it eliminates that need for that, that dude on the floor. Who's like, all right, on the cuff, I can make this up and like get you in the position that you need to be. Right. Um, Doc, and Doc this, needs a CP three for his offense because right. CP three the is the offense. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same thing with the big, right? Yeah. Like everybody's like, there needs to be upgrades at the big. There needs to be upgrades at the big. If your best big is only going to play 15 minutes a night, yeah, right. if yeah. he has the increased role, then that need gets pulled back a little bit and it's not as serious. Right. Right. I think, um, and I also, I, I'm, I'm going to be alone on this and I, I, I know I am. Um, I also wonder how much of a playmaking guard can help in the playoffs with Kawhi Leonard and his style of play because right. Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches in the league, but I vividly remember game seven against Philadelphia. Their offense went to dog shit and Kawhi Leonard had to shoot like 40 times isolating yeah. in order to win. And because no one else that, wanted to shoot. Right, right. But what, what, what I'm saying is like his style of play kind of lends itself to um, kind of hero ball one on one that Kobe Bryantification right. of basketball. And so I don't I don't have the answer to it. And perhaps Ty Lu's system will like unlock some some things for Kawhi and the Clippers offense as a whole. But I just wonder what the ceiling is for a high usage wing who likes to isolate out of like the mid post. And like right. you can you can you can 
invigorate offense with playmaking and passing as much as you want, but come playoff time, you are going to have your fair share of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George isolation. And, um, right. Sometimes like, and, and I question, I open question, open question. Um, if we don't go, I think Kevin Pelton had a great article about the Clippers blowing the three, one lead. And a lot of it was just simply them going ice cold on like wide open shots. Right. He, right. I, it was a really great article. And so the Clippers, I agree, didn't have a offense last year, but like, let me ask you guys this. If they don't, if Lou Williams and Landry Shamit and their supporting cast aren't ice cold, are, are we having the same conversation? No, no, I mean, th- that's something that we've been talking about mm. in in every aspect, right? Is if the Clippers just didn't do A, the Trez thing, and B, like you said, right. go completely cold. Like everybody who wasn't Kawhi and Paul George from games five to you know seven were completely cold. And then Paul George and Kawhi joined in on the fun game seven. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> If if that doesn't happen and we go and we we make it and we beat the Lakers and we win the championship, everybody talks about this Clippers team as this juggernaut. Oh, they had a top two offense and a top five defense, and oh, they won the championship. And look at how great that team construction was, and look at how great Doc Rivers is. Like we all have a totally different conversation, but right. because this entire shitstorm happened, we we are now hearing from people outside. Oh, they've got to make drastic changes and oh, they've got to do all this shit when in actuality it's like, yeah, there's some things that needed to happen for sure. Um, sure. there were some things that could have been avoided for sure if we had, you know, different things and we made the biggest change in my opinion. Um, but the way that this works, especially now, is there's no nuance to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? Clippers blew a three one lead, that means that their entire season was a bad and they were awful this whole time and the roster construction sucked and all the players suck and Paul George sucks. And it's like, dude, did you even watch that series? Like, did you watch how good Paul George was? Thank and you. let me just say this really quick. I'm going to fight Matt Moore in the street. Okay. Hardwood paroxysm. He <laughs> said that Paul George wasn't impactful defensively in the series and was bad. Paul George, I think held, all three of their wings, like based on matchup data, to like 33% shooting. Jamal Murray had to take a lap in the middle of game like three because Paul George had destroyed him defensively. Jamal Murray was bad that whole series until game seven. Pretty like, much. What, what are we doing? I, I, I didn't know he said that. that. I didn't know he said that. That's, um, that's, yeah, that was in his Kawhi article. Yeah, because his Kawhi article about how Kawhi also sucks as a leader. Yeah, that was good too. I don't, I don't, I, I, I have another tangent that I can go on in regards to like <laughs> um, leadership and chemistry as well because I never, yeah. I, I don't understand since when does um, chemistry have to be like buddy buddy in order to win a championship? But I digress. Um, he said that. That's why wow. I thought Paul George up until game seven played like a really, really, really good series. And yeah, he was our best saw, player. Yeah. And you saw a glimpse of like what we would need out of him next year and that he clearly yeah. could provide, which is like shot making, shot creation while defending the other team's point of attack. Um, a high usage ball handler. We deployed Paul George on him and he took him out of the series. If 
if yeah. if Doc Rivers and Trez don't fuck this up, the Clippers win in five, and we see Paul George completely take out um, Jamal Murray in the process. And right, uh, God, Doc Trez, why did you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. Okay, so let's 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 move on. Okay. Let's 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 keep going. Um, so I'm going to start this with a listener question, and then we're going to move into like this, the news about who's going to join the staff and like our excitement level about that. Um, but my mother asks, shout out my mom, do you think that the new coach will be able to deliver and take the chip uh, the Clippers all the way? Um, it seems like they have a group of players that can get it done, but they trip up at the end. Uh, will the new head coach be the component that they've been missing? We've kind of been dancing around this. Um, so we can just give like a short, Yes or no, if we want to do that, Brian. Um, yeah, I like like we said, it's elementary what needs to happen here. It, you just put some basic systems in place. Like you could literally run a high school basketball playbook with this team, and it's better than what they put in place last year. Yeah, and we're talking about them as title favorites again. Um, I'm I'm in a hundred percent agreement. Um. Yes, to that answer, uh, Doc Pigeonhole. Doc held back this team. It's in a yeah. way, it, it, in a way, like I'm not making the full comparison, but it's kind of like the Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr sort of thing, where the Warriors yeah. were Warriors. They were like a 50 win team by the time Mark Jackson left, and they were really good. And but like it was obvious that they were being held back by their coaching. They get a new coach, and they kind of take off, and so. On some level, I'm hopeful that that'll happen with the Clippers as well, because like this team walked into a second seed last year. They walked into the second best offense really off of talent. So um, with the modernized approach and a modernized system, um, look out. So do we think that the reason Kawhi was so cold in game seven is because Doc Rivers laid hands on his knees and then made him jump up and down in front of the congregation? Or is that... <laughs> because <laughs> we did the mark jackson comparison i just wanted to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway um my answer is yes i think that even if you brought back trez i think that the tyloo upgrade is enough to put us over the top i really do um i agree so the other people who are joining the staff um i think this is all pretty much official are uh chauncey billups um kenny atkinson and Dan Craig. Um, I don't know a lot about Dan Craig, but I've heard good things. I've heard he's a, a Spolstra. He's like the next Spolstra, you know, worked his way up from the video room and did all that stuff. So uh, if any of you have any information on Dan Craig that I don't, please uh, provide it. I don't have a ton of detail. Dan Craig makes me hopeful just because of the defensive system that he was a part of in Miami and okay. that like the defensive stuff that we were talking about. That's where I'm like, he's going to bring some shit over from Miami that I think is going to help this team out a lot. I'm curious to see how he gets along with, uh, with Ty Lu because, you know, Joseph, you and I talked about this. I wanted to see this team practice a little more. I thought that that was kind of a downfall of of the Doc Clippers um, because there was no system of practice. They just kind of relied on on just raw talent. And we came to find out that uh, Ty Lue isn't big on practice either. And Dan Craig is coming from a franchise that is like only practice. Like yeah. that is like the biggest thing. So like I'm curious to see how much of that he brings over and if if Ty is willing to incorporate some of that uh, that kind of culture into what what they're building. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know too much about Dan Craig either. Um, I think I think it, it I, I do like the process that the front office is going off of um, by getting Dan Craig, by giving Chauncey Billups a shot. Um, I think it, I don't know if it's official, but Larry Drew may be on that yeah. staff, may be on that staff as well. And um, he's got a ton of head coaching experience. And so I think um, more than anything, I'm hopeful that this coaching staff will push the Clippers to have a more serious approach to the regular season. I think that like when we talk about um, going backwards a bit, one of the things that we can do to kind of prepare us for the playoffs a little better is kind of just employ um, more more playoff kind of stuff in a regular season and just taking the regular season mm-hmm. a little bit more seriously. And I'm hopeful that Chauncey and Ty Lu will do that. Um, and maybe, maybe that is practicing more. Maybe that is practicing more. Um, and I, I'm sure there's some middle ground that they can um, achieve, but yeah, I, I, I think um, Dan Craig is coming from um, great. He's coming from a great organization um, and I'm hopeful that he can bring some of that um, magic to us because it's certainly necessary. And I think Brian, you mentioned it They're They're, they're doing a complete overhaul. So I think anything that we saw from last year's coaching staff may be thrown out the window. So it's going to be brand new. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see and hear what they have in store for, for this roster. It's yeah. going to be thrown out the window and land in Philadelphia because <laughs> that is where that entire coaching staff is going. That's going to be a disaster. You guys heard it here first. That is going to be an absolute disaster. That roster is completely designed for Doc Rivers to fuck up. Like that's a hundred percent what he's there for. I um, think anyway, that roster is a that roster is a disaster, and I also don't know if you can win with Ben Simmons. I I, I genuinely don't think you can win with Ben Simmons playing offense in today's NBA. He fucks up everything. Hmm. He if if you can't score if you can't score outside of the paint, I don't care if you play the one or the five, defenses can cheat off you when it matters in the playoffs. So uh, that's another tangent. But uh yeah, that that roster is destined to fail. They've got a billion dollars tied in Al Horford and Tobias Harris. It's a mess. It's a mess. Um and I don't know what uh what more he's gonna do to get him out of it. But yeah. Wow, shots fired, Justin, with the hottest right. of hot yeah. takes coming Just out. Just a casual destined to fail dropped in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Larry Drew is going to be on the staff. Um, a couple of things, like, um, you were talking about the practice thing. Um, it's in, like, favor of rest. But he also is a someone who does sort of develop a system. I, I, I said this, I think, in the last episode. NBA players know what NBA plays are. So you can just like install, like give them a playbook. Like, Hey, this is what we're going to run. This is what we're going to do. Film sessions, you know, stuff like that. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be like, we're going to be in the gym grinding this out. Like, you know, they'll figure it out. They just need something to lean back on to know like, Hey, where do I need to be? What do I need to do? Um, Ty, Ty, you know, the rest thing, but he experiments during the season. I also think that to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, not having the full 82 games, you know, and not really using like the last 10 of the season as your playoff tune up, I think really hurt the Clippers. Um, but I do think that that's probably something that Ty will do. Um, you know, this is, I mean, that's just projecting, but he seems like someone who's prepared. Um, 
the the guy who was on locked on said like you're gonna get frustrated sometimes because he definitely is gonna be tinkering and experimenting and you know take some games off or whatever um but I'm excited to kind of see how this process kind of bears out because it seems like the Clippers looked at the staff and went, okay, we need to make sure that we have every corner covered. Okay. So we've got someone who's going to be a motivator and is going to hold our stars accountable. That's Ty Lue. We've got someone who is relatable and is going to kind of be like a chemistry savant. All right. We're going to have Chauncey do that and, you know, help with the offense. Um, we're going to have someone who's really into the nitty gritty. Okay. That's going to be Dan Craig. And then we've got these young guys that we definitely want to develop. Okay. That's going to be Kenny Atkinson. And so like, there's going to be, everybody's going to have a role and they're going to be able to, I think to execute it under Ty, where, you know, the previous regime was kind of like, no, it's going to be my way or the highway. Um, I don't care what you say. We're going to, we're going to do it this way. So, um, I'm super excited by it. You brought up a point there about the development, and that's what I like about so much about the staff that they're putting together is that it is a win now staff, and it's yeah. a staff that can put you know the the systems in place to win with the current roster, but it's also not a short sighted staff you know building in terms of like we could see another failed season, mm-hmm. we could see almost everybody walk after this next year, we could definitely lose both stars. Um, you know, all these things could happen, but the, the fallbacks is your team in LA, you're getting a brand new arena and you've already established yourself as a destination for, uh, for star free agents. Uh, but even if that stuff doesn't happen and you have to go through this like nets, like rebuild, you've got a promising up and coming coach in Dan Craig, you've got an established a uh, rebuild expert in in Kenny Atkinson and you have these pieces that are put in place where it's like even if the worst case scenario happens we're prepared to take that on right yeah no I, I totally I totally agree with that and um that's one of the best things about grabbing a Kenny Atkinson is um you know he has great relationships around the league and he could help us on the margins as far as identifying um young guys who maybe are being undervalued. And I think um, Steve, Steve Ballmer mentioned how with no draft picks, we have to exercise all of those um, options right. towards improving the roster. And Kenny, that's one of the things that Kenny can help tremendously in. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, everything I've read about Ty Lue, it shows that he's incredibly malleable and um, mm-hmm. he's willing to do anything in order to win. Um, I've said this before, but he sat some big time guys in some huge moments. Um, and he's made some ballsy decisions when it matters. And that ultimately uh, led to him winning in Cleveland. And I know he, I know he right. coached LeBron, but there were, there were some tactical things that Ty Lue did um, that was really impressive. And so I'm really excited for what he and the rest of the staff can be because by all accounts, this is an upgrade and I'm, re- I'm, I'm ready to get the season started. And I'm, I'm glad it's starting December 22nd. I'm glad. So that's actually, that's actually our next point perfect. on the docket. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, so the uh, it's almost like you read it, but I know that you didn't cause I didn't share it with you. So that's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so the season is rumored to have two potential start dates that the um, Players Association and the NBA are arguing over. 
Um, one is December 22nd and the other is Martin Luther King weekend in January. Uh, the players are pushing for Martin Luther King weekend and the NBA is pushing for December 22nd. Um, there are a couple reasons for that, uh, per the reporting that's out there. Uh, the NBA does not want to clash with the Olympics in July. Um, they want to make sure that the season is over before those start. Uh, I think they're a little bit scarred from what we were talking about, how they went against every major sport and the ratings were down. Um, but also anyway, we can talk about that another day. Um, (laughs) and the NBA is also saying that because of that, if they start in January, they're only going to be able to play 50 games instead of 70 games. And that would mean a, a really big pay cut for the players, uh, because they're only going to play, you know, or pay them for however many games that they play. So, um, you seem to be a proponent of starting December 22nd. Um, I understand the money involved. I am a January start guy. I just want everybody to get a little bit more time off. Um, but you are a December 22nd guy, and I would like you to say why. Um, I kind of mentioned it before, but just that, um, just from a rest perspective, um, they got four and a half months off. Um, then they played in a bubble in which it was no travel. And then they got three more months off. Um, I, 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 I get why you we would want to start in January just from a free agency perspective and a transaction perspective, but just from a pure basketball perspective, um, I think it's just prolonging things. And like I'm selfish as a fan, I, I need to get this taste out of my mouth as um as quickly as possible, man. And um, right. and I, I think uh, starting December twenty second does that. And I just think like, man, we've been off for a while, man. We've been off for uh, 28 out of 30 teams around the league have gotten at least three months off since um, by the time December 22nd starts. So I and I I just don't know if if the 50 game thing is real, then I just don't see how they'll start on December. uh, I, I just don't see how they'll start on MLK that's a big chunk of money missed and that's a big chunk mm-hmm. of games missed. And I don't know if the NBA wants and the players want to play, have a 50 game um, season because they've got to end right. by July 4th. They got to end by July 4th. I think that's ironclad. I think I don't, I don't see how that's going to change. And so if they got to end by July 4th, I think December 22nd is going to be what they land on. And so right. um, that, that has me excited. I think the December 22nd start date is looking less and less likely uh, Mm -hmm. because Adam Silver promised the players union eight weeks notice before the start of the season. That would literally be today um, to get to the 22nd. Um, And that was why they extended the uh, the CBA uh, deadline where both sides could terminate the CBA because they're still trying to figure all this out. Um, I think that the the board of governors, the owners are. are being kind of shitty in all of this in terms of like how much money they can actually make off of this when there's an uneven split in favor of the owners in the CBA. Uh, they get 51%, right? And the yeah. players get 49. I thought it was 50, yeah. I thought it was 50, 50. No, it's, it's 49, 51. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and they could a hundred percent start in January and still have a 72 game season. There's going to be no, uh, no playoff weekend, right? The playoffs is gone. You can still take your break. You mean the uh, All Star? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Playoffs are gone, dude. We're getting rid of playoffs. All star, all star, all star weekend is gone. Um, and you know, this is me personally. Fuck the Olympics. So go up against them. I hate the Olympics. So bang, I'm bang, totally fine. Bang. I'm totally fine with you going up against the Olympics for a couple weeks or for a week or whatever it ends up being. Um, you know, uh, but if you cut it short, you cut it short. You have shorter contracts. Um, the China money's coming back in. That market is back open to the NBA. So that's going to bring, you know, bring in a lot of money that you didn't have during the bubble and all of that. And, uh, you know, you get back to a regular schedule for the 21-22 season. If we start in January, though, this is funny because it won't technically be the 2021 season. It would just be the 21 season. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I start later, like, let... I don't know. I'm an, I'm all in favor of of giving the players as much power as possible. Yeah. Um, and it feels like they're trying to, uh, you know, pull a shitty like move with the union being like, yeah, we can do what you want to do. But, you you know, we're going to take 22 games off the table for you. Right. And I think that that's a really shitty move on behalf of the owners who are making more money off of this already. Uh, and and they're trying to take power away from the players union. And I think the players union is incredibly important. And I think that that is the voice that should be the loudest through all of this. Right. I agree. Um, that that's I'm, I'm all for the later start um, for two reasons. One is the two finals teams would only get seven weeks between the end of the finals and the start of training camp because training camp would have to start December 1st. Um, if, if the, you know, it was going to start then. I also am worried about the starting and stopping. I think that we need to give as much time as we can for their bodies to kind of readjust to an off season for everybody. I know that there are some teams that will have then been off for almost a year. I get that. Um, but I think for the teams that the 22 teams that did play in the bubble, it, yes, they got like four months off, but then they played like a really intense, you know, basketball camp. And I think that they need more time, I think to, you know, totally get back and like, sort of get some sense of normalcy just because I'm worried about stopping and starting leading to injuries and stuff like that. So, um, and you know, a longer camp and getting free agents in and all that other logistical stuff. I think it makes more sense to start in January. Um, I also am really upset that they keep saying like, well, you're going to lose $500 million if we start, you know, in January, like you, you guys, the players, you're going to have $500 million less. And that's, that's super shitty to me. Um, and so, that's that's why I'm there, but I think that I think it's going to start in December. I think that they're going to iron it out, and the players are not going to want to leave that money on the table, which is shitty because it's just a shitty bargaining tactic that the the owners are pulling. Um, but the players are going to have to agree so that they get all 72 games, so that they can get at least the majority of their salary instead of, you know, two thirds. The crazy part about this like upcoming season is they're not going to be able to do a bubble situation right. like mm-hmm. they just did. And the answer to that is that you don't play the other conference. So the proposed idea is that you play every team in your division eight times and everyone else in your conference four times, which California teams like that division. Great. You're, yeah. you're you don't really have much travel to do. But <laughs> when you're a Western Conference team like. Um, I don't know the Grizzlies where you're basically an East coast team. Like right. that's fucking gnarly. That's really brutal. And like, I like to me, I'm just like that. 
I I don't know, man. I just worry about the travel. Like mm-hmm. we saw what Lou Williams did in a bubble scenario. Imagine the free range that guy's going to have in a non-bubble scenario, right. taking him to different cities. And that's you know, Lou Williams is just the most. It's the biggest, mm-hmm. probably most well-known example. I'm not throwing all of this on him, but like, well, I mean, it just happened in baseball. I mean, it wasn't a exactly. bubble, but in Justin football. Turner just got COVID in the middle of a game. Like, we're testing positive for COVID in the middle of it. Well, it was before. Right. There's that's a whole other can of worms. But like, people are going to catch this if we're traveling. It's just it's inevitable. It happened in baseball. It's happening in football, and we have to decide as a league whether or not we're okay yeah. with that. Like, what what's the plan? I think, um, and to that point, um, I think what sport sports leagues are going to come to the conclusion is that you know everything is everything is based off of PR. And I think what sports leagues are coming to the conclusion is that the PR from a player catching COVID is not so bad. And that's where I, that's where I think people are landing. Like the JT thing that it's already dying off in the news cycle. And, um, I think, I think it's the, it's, it's kind of a microcosm of the entire nation not taking COVID-19 as seriously as they should. And, um, on some level, that's kind of um, disheartening, and I don't know if we actually should be traveling, playing basketball in a pandemic that's killed two hundred thousand people. Um, that's another right. that's another topic for another time. But like, I'm I'm actually right. from a moral from a morality standpoint, I don't know if we should be playing sports right now when right. the virus is like this crazy. It's it's. It's another story, but like, yeah, I, I think we will be traveling and I think they will end up playing some East coast teams and some West coast teams at some point, but I think they will do the, um, the series schedule where they're playing like one team three or four times in one sitting and, and stuff like that. So I I think there'll be some mass modifications to the schedule, but yeah, traveling is going to bring about COVID, but I, I think the NBA is okay with it. I think the NBA, much like the MLB is okay with it. And the NFL is okay with it. And um, it's unfortunate, but that's kind of what 2020 is for us. Well, that's a bummer. Um, so let's, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's I mean, it's, your it's fault, correct. Man. It's the right, yeah. it's the right way to talk about it. Um, but it's also something that, you know, everybody's been avoiding. I think, I think that we all kind of had, you know, when the bubble started, there was like this kind of rumble of like, should we actually be doing this? I don't think this is a good idea. And then it kind of went off without a hitch and all of us kind of went, Okay, I guess we can just talk about basketball now because they seem to have figured it out. But the second you add the the travel element, for sure, we absolutely need to be having these conversations again about like, is this actually safe for these guys to go right. do this? And it's um, not. Just, well, and I had a. Oh, sorry, sorry, but it's not just. The I was just gonna say, either, I, like, in order to put on a basketball game, it takes a ton of other people who mm-hmm. may be a bit, who may be exposed, or you may be exposing to them, right? So. Yeah, and I was having a conversation with a friend, and it's like, you're kind of dan like it's the two options are not great. Right. Option one is you travel and you expose them to them to to you know the elements and everything that's out there, and option two is the bubble scenario. You know, I get that it's it was on a resort, but you're still kind of incarcerating these people by right. like I mean like you cannot go see your families, like you are gonna, and so yeah, it's it's definitely a moral conundrum for sure. Well, on that note, let's go to um, another moral conundrum of mine, and it's this shitty segment that we keep doing, uh, and it's called <laughs> Track of the Week. Um, 
So uh, do you have a track of the week right now, Justin, or should I go to Brian first? Um, I I do. I do. Um, okay. Actually, it's not just one track. You kind of gave me, you didn't give me flack for it, but um, it's going to come from like uh, Art LeBeau's playlist, man. Um, That's what's up. Yeah. Uh, I list, I can't get on a Sunday afternoon out of my head from a lighter shade of brown. Um, it's a great track. It's a great track. It's completely random, but uh, that's, I heard it one Sunday listening to um, Art LeBeau. Shout out Art LeBeau. And, uh, Shout out Art LeBeau. And it's been stuck in my head ever since. So That's good. That's a good one. Thank you, man. Uh, um, I'll go next. I So mine, uh, it was going to be Oingo Boingo until uh, they absolutely devastated me with some news about their past recently that I dug up. So I'm not giving them track of the week title anymore. Um, I went with, uh, there's a band called Viva Belgrado from Spain that I am a very, very large fan of. They're kind of like a screamo indie. They're they're They hit a few spectrums. They're really good. Um, but the song is Por La Mañana Temprano. I'm probably that really butchering good. that. That was really yeah. good. I really butchering like that. Butchering that. Yeah. Uh, I do. I speak more French than I do Spanish. So uh, okay. that one is, is out the window. Um, but it's one of their more mellow tracks and, um, you know, we've got people becoming trillionaires in this country while other people are starving and dying. We've got an election coming up with, uh, you know, there's really nobody's winning in this election. It's really Um, great candidates. Either way you vote, it's going to be, it's going to be a great next four years. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, voter suppression happening all over the place. Uh, fire on the horizon the world is dying so i need like a nice calm mellow song to get me through the week what has happened to this podcast we we were having such a great time and now we're both like (laughs) all depressed what the fuck happened it's not our fault man um so i i have two tracks um both of them are from the griselda like records group um, the first one is The Butcher and the Blade by West Side Gun featuring Benny the Butcher and I believe Conway, um, the three okay. main Griselda guys. Uh, and then the other one is, I think he's on, also on Griselda, but he's someone I discovered. Uh, his name is Boldy James. Um, I'd never heard of him and like got into him you know, a couple of months ago and I can't stop listening to his music. Uh, but his track Surf and Turf uh, that features Vince Staples, um, both of them kind of grimy east coasty you know music from the alchemist um but both just really really great tracks uh, i can't stop listening to griselda you that was a that was a nice call um benny benny the butcher's album is pretty good he's got a song with like uh big sean and lil wayne that's like really mm-hmm. really really good and uh, that's a nice call yeah his, his his new album benny the butcher's new album is is interesting i'm so deep into the alchemist like atmosphere right now where like that's the only kind of rap i'm really listening to is like stuff produced by the alchemist so it's either like his gritty stuff or like his fan like fun stuff that he does with everybody else um so it was kind of jarring for me to listen to a benny the butcher album that wasn't produced in that same style because it was it was produced by hit boy um and so it was like just a totally different soundscape and i haven't 100 percent adjusted to it yet i know that the album is good because benny the butcher is fucking incredible um but 
just it's 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 different tonally than anything he's done and so like i'm still trying to dig into it to get used to it but that's i mean it's a it's a good album i just it's not 100 percent like a benny album to me yet for some reason just joseph you're like a big stones throw guy right stones throw yeah like mad lib his his label oh 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 yeah i mean i like mad lib yeah um, are you excited about the new Black Star album? Because it's it's he's producing it. I'm pretty sure. I think it's there's Mad a new Lib Black Star album producing the new Black Star album. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, I am excited about that now. Um, that's gonna be good. Yeah. Mad Mad Lib's also great. Um, his his album with a uh, uh, friend of the show Freddie Gibbs was <laughs> really really hey. good. Gangster Gibbs. Good. Okay. Um, any parting, any parting words that anybody wants to say about next season or anything like that? Um, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, if you're a Clipper fan, you should be really excited because despite the results from last season, this team was a contender for a reason and they've improved. They're going to, they have already improved on the margins and I'm sure they'll improve on the margins some more this off season. Um, They've got one of the best front offices, if not the best front office in basketball. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited for next season. I think they have a, as great a shot as any other team to win it all next year. Um, stay safe. Um, vote if you haven't. Um, Tuesday's almost here. And so, uh, yeah, that'll be it. I will give some encouraging words since my track of the week, uh, you know, pushed us off a cliff there. Super dark. Um, yeah, it is dark. We are living in a very dark time, but just because the people that are leading us there doesn't mean that we can't create our own light. This is a community. If anybody's struggling, having a hard time, scared, worried, anxious, nervous, you can always reach out. Joseph and I are here. Uh, you know, I feel like we've built this kind of like cool community with Clippers fans and people online and all of that. And just want to know, you know, I want to let everybody know that those doors are always open. Uh, we're all going through it together. Yeah. Um, and nobody should be going through it alone uh, because we've got each other. That's good. That's really good. Um, I've got nothing anywhere near as inspirational. So uh, I'm just going <laughs> to say, Justin, uh, plug where the people can find you. Thank you so much for coming on this week. Um, we hope to have you on many, many more times as this uh, crazy show keeps going. Um, so let, a, let everybody know um, where to find you. Um, for now, um, at LA Clippers Film on Twitter. You can find me. Um, you can find me on there. Um, I'm always up for a good basketball discussion, whether it be Clippers or anything else related to the NBA. Um, yeah, like let's talk. Um, I'm thankful that you guys continue to have me on the show. I don't know why. Um, it's a, but I'm, I'm grateful that you guys do. And, um, it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. And I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Good. All right. Go ahead and follow the third best person on Clippers, Twitter, LA Clippers film. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, dude, don't let the door hit you on the way out, I guess. <laughs> All right, Ryan, you want to send us out? Yeah. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us. Um, we will continue to bring you uh, Clippers talk, Clippers news, and, uh, just general nonsense, uh, throughout this off season, however long that might be, because, uh, we obviously have no idea right now. Right. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. We actually need the help. I saw this week, our rating went down, uh, 
Lakers fans actually made their rounds to all the Clippers uh, uh, podcasts and gave them really low ratings uh, during the playoffs. So that's legit. Cool. Bring Thanks, our guys. average back up by uh, by giving us a five star rating. Leave us a written review. It helps out with uh, you know visibility and all that. And if you're not listening to us on Apple Podcasts, that's sick. Fuck Apple. I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, continue to listen and share. And and uh, you know, while you're out there, wash, rinse, sanitize, repeat. And if you don't, Donald's throwing wins. And that's a fact. 